Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am for two more weeks, two glorious weeks, your host, Joe. Here we are. Here we are. Ready to talk about episode 412, entitled Providence, and we've made ourselves some stiff drinks. We got booze here, guys. That's that's uh, that's what they call foreshadowing in the storytelling biz. So you a might master class for you there. You might hear a, a little bit of clinking of glasses. That's right. It's uh, you're doing clink. Here, we'll, 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 yeah. There you go. So I've got a pretty stiff gin and tonic, and Joe has um, a McGrath Irish whiskey, which That's is right. it's delicious. The cheaper version of Bailey's. <laughs> I'm a cheap drunk tonight, yeah. and uh, that's what this show's done to me. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get into talking about this um, episode, mm-hmm. there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about. Sure. So, one me. of them is, I mean, there's been a number of complaints about the lack of sex in this season from yeah. people, which seems impossible to me, because any of the sex that we have had has been so forced and uncomfortable to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, the sex scenes have been this season have been brief or bad brief slash bad yeah right um and season three it was the same it was just painful agonizingly to watch um and that was not the case with season one it just and or season two for that matter like it, the sex scenes are different and um i don't know i don't know but we saw an interview with katrina Balf and sam hewan that we actually point posted on the Loinlander podcast page and someone asks them about the sex and whether they you know have say and whether they discuss it with the writers and and Sam Hewen just turned to Katrina Balf you got this yeah he's like why don't you answer this like but you could see that he didn't feel like he needed to express his opinion because he knew anything she said is exactly how he felt yeah they're a team and she based, she said, what did she say? It's not softcore porn. We are yeah. constantly talking to the writers, making sure it's important enough. Well, yeah, basically she, she, she stressed that any sex scene in the show needed to be motivated, in their opinion. Yeah. Which is, the, the show is, I would say, known for its unmotivated sex scenes, or at least they sure come off like that. Yeah. Anyway, so it was interesting. And then when she finished, Sam Hewen gives her a high five for That's her right. answer. So... I feel like, I, I I don't know. I know there's lots and lots of Outlander fans out there, and they watch it for the sex. A. Malcolm is their favorite episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good on them. It's just, it's, it's interesting, and we'll see what direction we're headed in. We're yeah. headed in a whole new direction right yeah. now for a number of reasons. Or maybe none in the future. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about, the fact that Matthew B. Roberts has taken himself off Twitter. Yeah. Which, so- do you remember what you said to me? A couple no. nights ago when you're like, oh, if you were worried about the Outlander verse being Yeah, because Megan and I, off off mic, do do chat about the rocky future of the Outlander universe. Oh, I, want, I worry about it. Right. So Matthew B. Roberts, who is uh, one of the executive producers on the show, uh, basically got off Twitter because from what I can understand, people were slamming him too hard online. Yeah, and um, he doesn't want it. That's not a great sign. And what I'll say is I have personally also dis- uh, expressed my dislike in the episodes that he has written. Not my cup of tea, but I would never go after the man personally online. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's crossing the line. So mm-hmm. hopefully, I don't know what people said. I don't know if he was being threatened or if he just it was too much you know, to disassociate from it. 
but there's uh, I believe you wrote something about like you can like what you like and dislike what you don't like but personal attacks are too much and I, that's that's how I look at it too hopefully yeah, yeah. hopefully I don't know what, what actually drove him over the line but I mean I hope people weren't coming at him personally but well this season I mean they've pushed Roger and Brianna on us without developing their characters in any way right and they've I mean, the character of Roger isn't the same as he is in the book. He's so much more lovable in the book. And the character of Brianna is not well cast. Yeah. Well, I mean... It's a tricky combination because they're selling these two to us as the as the new... I mean, they're carrying the show. We've got Sophie Skelton carrying the show. And she is not Katrina Balfe. She just isn't. Richard Rankin could easily carry a show easily yeah but a good actor can't save a bad script now that said i i think a little bit of the roger the the unlikable roger is on richard rankin i know we actually were talking about this one night until midnight which yeah. is too late for sad us, for me we... too like what the deuce i come i make this show so i don't have to talk about outlander Look we're what's happening, you bed. people. Have, I hope you're happy. We have a young yourselves. baby who wakes us up at like yeah. five forty-five in the morning, happy. so we need to be asleep by ten. And one night it was right. midnight, and I was like, "Which is the middle of the night?" For us. <laughs> and I'm like, "What is going on with Roger? Like, is it Richard Rankin? Because he's amazing, so it can't be him." And you said that you thought maybe it was him that he was just taking. Well, at least partially. I mean, I, I feel like if you took. If you took a bad actor, like we both love Tobias Menzies and the job he did with both Frank, but especially Blackjack Randall. He made, yeah. Jack Blackjack Randall was terrifying yep. and he was a great character. And I feel a lot of the credit of that goes onto Tobias Menzies. So if, you know, if you took a way, you know, a much lesser actor and put him in that role, probably not the same or yeah. cheesy or cornball. Yeah. So I think it's the same thing where if you're going to say that a character is bad, um, well, then some of the blame has to fall on the person playing the character. But it's the lines he's delivering. Yeah, but it's it's still, that's only half of it. He and, still is an actor. Mm, an actor. He's a thespian. Know. Do you know, I was thinking about it, because I do, and oh, I, I actually think, and I believe this when I say it, that Richard Rankin is the best thing they've had since Tobias Menzies, followed closely by Katrina Balfe. But I believe that Richard Rankin is right up there with Tobias Menzies, and he proved it in this episode. Hmm. So, what do you think, Loinlander listener? Richard Rankin, garbage actor or just a bad script, or neither or both? Let us know at Loinlander. Uh, nope. What is it? Loinlander at gmail.com. Loinlander gmail.com. Or Loinlander podcast group on Facebook. Or at, at Loinlander. Loinlander on Twitter. On Twitter. God, we're drunk already. Matthew B. Roberts can't write us on Twitter, though, because he's not on it no, anymore. No, he's on Instagram. On Instagram, we're not on Instagram. I mean, I am, but and so is Megan. But yeah, individually. Not, not loining. Yeah, it's yeah. only pictures of our kids. That's Anyways, right. okay. So this episode, entitled Providence, was written by Karen Campbell. And is that significant to me? It is, because she also wrote Do No Harm, which is oh, your favorite episode. Oh, this would make sense. I also want to, I mean, I know that we are taking forever to get into the episode, oh. and I hate when other podcasts do that. So I'm sorry, we're going to, this won't be the norm. But uh, we covered some important stuff. Uh, I also I just want to say before we get into it that um, Megan this is only the second time ever Mm. that Megan did not want to watch the episode with me again the the first time was do no harm she said Joe you're going to watch this episode and I didn't I didn't and you didn't I can't watch it with you Um, 
And she tried to pull it again this time, and I said, no, you have to watch it because you take notes, and I don't... I, I, don't I, I, I won't take I'm notes. Incapable so of if notes. you want me to talk about this, because I just wing it. So, so I can't. I so can't I wing it. So I watch it again. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so, so Karen she did. Campbell has written the two episodes of Outlander okay. that I only wanted to watch right. once. I didn't even Very want telling. to watch them. Very telling. It is. She's good at writing violence. She. They are violent. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. Disturbing um, violence, anyway. It was directed by Marzi Almas, who wrote, or sorry, who directed the last episode as well. And it begins with the title shot, which is the Mohawks alcohol in barrels, I guess. Yeah. Uh, another, just a continuing trend um, of... Well, that is significant, though. Is it? Well, that's the barrel that Roger picked up and threw. Oh, okay. There you go. I didn't pick up on that. Anyway. Okay. So it is significant. Yeah. So, the beginning of the episode starts out exactly where the last one ends. So, Roger is precisely halfway through the gauntlet. Yeah. And it's still awful to watch. Because yeah. he's not doing well. No. In fact, he does so not... badly that he just lies down and starts right. shaking. And they just stop and they say, you're still a prisoner. Which, I, I don't know much about the gauntlet. I know that uh, I was in, we were informed by one of our uh, lovely... Lovely listeners, that Daniel Boone also had to run the gauntlet and mm-hmm. got through, mm-hmm. which I assume is why he was not made a Mohawk water carrier. Um, yeah. So I, I I wonder if Roger had made it through, if he would have been, I don't know if he would have been set free or at least treated with more respect than he was. I assume something better would have happened. I don't know. When one of them, like, whacks him so hard in the face with a yeah. club and he screams, yeah, I'm not... just, I can't. I can't watch him get hurt like no, that. No, he's a hurtable guy. He's and then not... when he was lying there shaking, and this is what I mean about Richard Rankin. I buy everything he sells. When he was lying there shaking, I'm like, yeah, he's. This is what this is what a historian would do yeah. if he was beaten up that many times. Yeah. Turtle. Or, yeah, he would turtle and just like start convulsing. Right. And you know what? Good for the Mohawks for stopping and being like, stop. You're done. Into the tent with you, or the idiot tent. What did he call it? I can't remember. I liked it. Yeah, uh, idiot hut. Idiot hut. There you go. Into the idiot hut with you. Meanwhile, Fergus is informing the other regulators that Myrta has been captured and that they have to save him. Yeah, Fergus stepping up to the plate. Yes. I, I dislike this character still. Still, hey. A whole episode. Okay. Uh, And then we have speaking of characters we dislike, John Gray. Love him. Telling Brianna that they've captured Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. And she. Mumbles and half closes her eyes throughout the entire next two scenes. I barely heard what she said in this scene for two reasons. The first one was because she mumbles, but the second reason was because you just kept oh yelling God. at the screen the whole oh time. Like oh, I don't even I know what you're saying. You're like open your mouth or something like that. Open your like, mouth and open your eyes. Yeah. This is not emoting. You are yeah. not acting. Acting shouldn't look this hard. Why, when I'm watching my favorite show. Am I watching a piece of wood with a red wig? She's hard acting, for sure. She's hard acting. It is a nice wig, though. And it's funny because I, I know you're going to get on me for giving Sophie Skelton a hard time. You always do. I do. And it's because it's because she's on my beloved show. Mm-hmm. I tune into the show because I love it. Because the acting is always amazing. And what is she doing there? You just squinted at me like that's not the case. Is it but always it is. amazing? Is it is always, always amazing. amazing. I did squint. Yeah, I mean, she, she... She has no right. Sticks out like a bit of a sore thumb and Fergus. Um, so, yeah, she's she's definitely not strong. She is out of her element. Okay, you give Fergus a hard time, but what he's doing isn't so hard. The depth of character that she is 
trying to portray. She can't. She can't. Yeah. Guys, she can't. No. She's, Where's she's... Ronald D. Moore's phone number? I'll give him a call. She can't. Okay? <laughs> What's Ronald D. Moore's phone number? Let's go back right in time. Step, Let's line, time travel back so yeah. that I can say, guys, she can't. Yeah, okay. Okay? Go through the stories so, and tell Ron. John Gray, I mean, thank God for for Lord John Gray because he's just... He's awesome. Charm, 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 Yeah. Uh... But and basically, then, so what actually happened here, though? I mean, they know what happened. They watched the show, but she wants to see Stephen Bonnet because he's imprisoned and he's going to be hanged. And which I feel is an ultimately stupid plan, which is uh, one of my favorite I mean, Lorenlander tropes. What, that's yeah. what Lord John Gray says as well. I agree with Lord John Gray. This is a really stupid plan, but Lord John Gray, she shows uh, Lord John a letter that Jamie wrote, and because... Lord John Gray worships anything that Jamie has ever done. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like Lord John is kind of like like the eyes of the Beefcake Club. It's like, oh. Did Jamie say Did that? Jamie say okay. it? I'm in. Yeah, let's go. Well, and then um, we get a clip. Uh, we get a little montage of Jamie and Claire riding right. through the forest. I hope you liked it. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed it, guys, because it was 30 seconds long and we're never going to see them again. P.S. Right. We watched the show because we love them. Yeah, they're on the poster. They're on the poster of the show. Right. We watch this show so that we can see Sam Hewen and Katrina Balfe. Yeah, and they're... I like, think that is this a is, risky game. Yeah, this is the second episode where they've been basically non-existent. Yeah. So, um, John Gray is so sweet when he tells her that he's responsible for her and that her father did not mean for her to have a cup of tea with a murderer. Yeah, that's a great like, line. Charm, charm, charm. Charm, charm. Uh, then we go back to Roger. Unfortunately, he's being bullied by various people in the Mohawk village. Men, women. Yeah, they call him. What do they call him? Oh, I can't pronounce uh, it. Oh, I can. Got it. Egakun. Eg- Egakunsa. Eg- nice. Egakunsa. I love it. That's what they call him, which right. means dog face. Yeah. Which I love. And he does not have. Um, so he meets... Everyone's being mean to him, and right. he meets, and I wrote this down too, Joe Yeo. Joe Yeo. Joe Yeo. Joe Yeo. And she is a Mohawk woman. She's their healer. She's their healer. She speaks French, and she has a white baby. Right. So he so, knows she's into white guys. Yeah. He, he comes up, and <laughs> she, did, she, she comes, comes up, up and, yep. and gives him something to chew for the pain. Which I would have just shoved that right in my mouth right and roger just gloms onto her immediately like he's like hello are you my friend because i need a friend really fucking bad right now thank you so much um bonjour do you remember mademoiselle yeah and then he's like can you get me out of here yeah yeah she's like no i can't get you out but eat the leaf like one step yeah but i mean i i don't blame him like as soon as someone shows him even she's made eye contact with him and not hit him on the face so can you help me no i can't great uh, so then he goes and he he messes up. He smiles at her later and he points and talks over that good-looking guy, that the main Mohawk guy that's been traveling. Yeah, I, I'm not sure of his name. I really like this guy, this actor. He's so he's good. done a dynamite job. He's a Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually want to try and see if I can. If you're listening right now, we would love to talk to you on Lionlander. Oh, uh, wouldn't that, that be that'd amazing? Be, be fun. He, maybe he's in Alberta. Maybe he is. I saw a couple of headshots of him um, that were obviously, he, he just looks like a regular guy. And yeah. he, uh, you wouldn't know it was him. In fact, I meant to do this. I was going to show you two pictures. He's oh, wearing really? like a plaid shirt. He's wearing like a black shirt. He's got longer, right, right. longer black hair and like just 
this, you know, he's he got doesn't like a, look like he's a got perfect features. Colonial mohawk. No, warrior. so I was going to show you the two right. pictures and be like, do you know who this is to see if you would guess? But right. I don't think you would have. But anyway, he's doing a bang, especially for a guy who has very few English lines to deliver. He's it's doing all in a, his face, right? Yeah, he's so, doing a bang up job. And you, so sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you can tell, one of the things you can tell on it, right from the first interaction with, what is it, Joe Yeo? Joe Yeo. Joe Yeo. Um, is he's he's got a thing for her. That's what I was going to say, too. So, for sure he's got a thing for her. So, Roger cozying up to Joe Ayo is not helping his cause with this no. guy. But I feel this guy, like that, that, and I really, uh, I should have looked up his name, but... Um, it's Brayden something. No, no, the his actual, his, his act, his, the, the Oh, the, it starts with a K, it. and I, yeah, did, no, I tried to write it out phonetically. I'm sure I would butcher it anyway, but, yeah. but he's... He's an interesting character because you can tell that he has morals, values. Well, yeah, like there's there's almost there's certain scenes in this episode, a lot of them where he kind of like the way their way is their way, but he kind of has compassion, you know, like mm-hmm. um, you know, like a bit of like a common sense compassion. You can tell just like he is a better face actor mm-hmm. than a lot of the actors on this show. I hope well, that guy Well, he's had moments stuff. with Roger all throughout. Like I don't think he hates Roger. No. I think there's a part of him that suspects that Roger isn't as bad as he originally thought. No, because he asks him quite, you know, like, why are you here? Why did they sell you? You know, like, he doesn't... He, well, and he mumbles to himself. First of all, we we're, need to We're talk, skipping ahead a bit, yeah, but... Yes, we are. But um, we need to talk about the fact that Tom Jackson is in this scene for, like, five seconds. Yeah. Who is a very famous... Canadian, Canadian icon. Canadian actor who I yeah. had a huge crush on when I was little because yeah, he's in this an actor movie. musician he's also a musician yeah, yeah like he's huge and he has one line yeah in the whole show it's it like, was kind of weird I mean I guess it's because it's an American show that doesn't know that Tom Jackson is actually a really big deal because if they did know that then yeah. they would have given him more, more than lines. one line yeah I, I found it distracting because I kept I mean if, you, if you're not from Canada you've probably never maybe you've seen him but but you, he wouldn't be as recognizable but it's one of those things where watching it and I kept like, waiting for him that? to have a big scene, yeah, like a he, monologue no, and he or something, and he never did. No, he no. just came up and he was like, put him in the idiot hut, yep. except it wasn't called the idiot hut at that point. And this is what I was going to talk about, is that while our guy, we don't know, the, the mohawk that's been with yeah. Roger from the beginning, is dragging him to the hut, he says out loud, almost to himself, this man cannot be good. He was sold by his own people. He's trying to like remind he's, himself. Yeah, like, he's trying to convince himself that that, that yeah, and he's he like, go in the idiot Jesus, this guy does seem pretty innocent. Right. <laughs> like, he seems like a bumbling historian. Right. Who's really just getting a, like... Bad rap. Yeah. yeah. So... But into the hut he goes. Into the hut he goes. So then we have John Gray taking Brianna to the prison, and the two lines between them, you, like, rolled your eyes and said, this is a melodramatic, melodramatic soap opera. Yeah. The, the, I, but it's, you know what? It wouldn't seem like that if it wasn't for her. Maybe, it but... It wouldn't seem like that. She is delivering those lines in such a way that you just can't help but disassociate from the feelings yeah, of them. If I it guess, was said yeah. by an actress that was truly feeling them, then you would it would it you would hurt for her. But instead, she's saying them, and it sounds like... I was going to say, like, I'm delivering the lines, but honestly, like... Give me a chance. I feel like put that red wig on me, and of course it just like <laughs> you do great. I think I could do. I think I could part. do better. You I just really, want to act with like, David Barry. Put me in coach. I can, I do, can it. do it. I can do it. <laughs> Anyways, so they um, they walk into the prison arm right. in arm. Lord John's just like this is my uh, 
What does he call her? My betrothed? Yeah. Or... Hello, I am Lord John Gray. This yeah. is my betrothed, Brianna Fraser. We're going I in, bitches. I have spoken to yeah. Lord Try- Tryon, and I, like, yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, of yeah, course, you probably go in. It's yep. like, can I just link arms with Lord John Gray anytime I have, like, a speeding ticket yeah, or, I like, yeah. anything? Uh, so. They go in? They go in. And um, then. Who's there? Well, that comes later, because they go in and meanwhile Fergus is looking at a rescue plan on the right, table. Right, right, right. And you immediately said he's a bad face actor. He is a bad face actor. And it's actor. funny because I've never heard you compliment or criticize face acting before but that was your although that might just be your first. No, I said the, the Mohawk dude's a great face actor. Oh my goodness, just, you're right. Yeah. You're right. He's a fantastic face actor. But also Richard Rankin's a good face actor. He, Richard You'll Rankin is such a good face actor. Earlier in the season when they were doing the telephone, I complimented that he face acted the shit out of that scene. Um, yeah. Yeah, just because, uh, sorry, just to really zip back mm-hmm. to my blame of Richard Rankin for people not liking Roger. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he's not a good actor. That just means that I feel like he's playing it in a way that people don't like. Yeah. That's all I mean. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's a bad actor. No, he's not a bad actor. No. no, no. Right. He's the best thing they've had since Tobias Menzies. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> the gin is sinking in, and my opinions are strong. Flowing. They're flowing. <laughs> Megan's wearing a red wig now. I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> so, meanwhile in the hut, Roger befriends a priest. And the priest tells a story about how he fell in love oh, with Joe Yeo and about how he is not in a state of grace with God, so he can't baptize the baby, even though they're requesting him to. Your comment was, why do I care about this failed priest? I don't. That was my question. It, it, at this stage of the season, there's only one episode left. Why did we spend half the GD yeah. episode yeah. on this priest's brutal torture, story. S- torture subplot? It was pointless. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah. It did not need to be there in any way whatsoever because of the way it played out. It was actually... Like, we know we're not going to see him or well, well, Joe no. Yeu again. Yeah, absolutely. But but um, if... I mean, I don't want to jump ahead to what happens at the very end. We will. But we'll the... Well, no, but I mean, the, he goes into this monologue about all the loss um, and, and that sort of thing. You know, and, and Roger sort of is like, well, I, I feel, yeah, you know, I, I followed the, this girl to the stones. I understand. Then they have another conversation in a little bit where, where this kind of progresses. But at the end of the episode, it basically wipes it clean and it's just big and stupid. So this whole thing is pointless. Well, because the whole idea is that Roger always um, acts with his heart and not his head. Right. Okay. But then the Mohawks come and they take um, Dumb Priest they take him away. And they Roger's do. like, okay, well, this is my chance to maybe try and get the deuce out of here. So he um, looks around. He can't break through the leaf wall, which is like a leaf, literally a leaf thick. Can't get through it. Um, can't get through that leaf. Fuck, that's a hard leaf. Whatever. Uh, that's fine. Can't lift it up. It's made of dried twigs. Can't lift that shit up. So he finds a cup on the ground and he starts digging in the dirt. Just digging without one, just like a one-arm dig, digging hard, um, and then the priest comes back. Yeah, the the priest. Well, he's but then they just like cuts to black because he falls asleep. He gets tired digging because the priest. They bring the priest back in. 
They throw him in. He's buck-ass naked. This is what... And then I look around. So Roger's, like, asleep. There's a fire? Who's built the fire? They built the fire for him. And I read this... I reread this whole section in Drums of Autumn. Okay. And when he saw that they built a fire... That comforted Roger because he's like, well, they're obviously not going to kill me tonight if they've built me a fire right. to keep me warm. That's nice. So they yeah. did build that fire for him. Right. So the pre- priest, he comes back in and falls down. He's, he's looking pretty shitty. And Roger goes over to help him. And he's like, oh, shit. They cut off your ear. They cut off your ear. It's the so guy's like, disturbing. what? It's so disturbing. It's so right. disturbing. He's crying. and He's not very happy. Making whining noises as Roger is like, yeah. I'm so sorry, I need to clean I'm this. Like, and I'm like, why am I watching this show? Right. And why am I watching this man who has don't care nothing to do with the story? Right. Why did they cut your ear off, he says. Well, because they gave me one more chance to baptize my baby by tomorrow. And if they don't, what are they going to do to him, Meg? They're going to burn his feet so he'll have a three-day death. Yeah, but so he's not going to do anything about it because of all of his pious pride. Right, that's what I said. Yeah, so basically they're going to put him at the stake and burn not his whole body, just his feet, until basically he dies of shock from the pain. But the last, which could take a while. It could take three days. Yeah. So that's pretty shitty. Roger's reaction to this priest is extremely yeah. satisfying as so a viewer. Roger flips. He flips Roger flips, and he's out like, and flips the switch. You're an idiot, yeah. and I can tell you're an idiot because I can be an idiot too. But what you're doing is ridiculous. And it's he recaps everything for us as viewers about what he's been through, which I'm like, TikTok, do we really need to hear yes. about all of this? But the only thing that is kind of interesting, and you were interested in this too, is that the, the part of his monologue that intrigued us is that he's now put together that it was actually Jamie who beat him up. Right. So which he didn't know at first. He finally pieces it all together. This priest has made him realize that he is an idiot in an yeah. idiot tent. He's kind of a little pissed off about the whole thing. He's like, I had a chance to leave like three times. And no, three times, twice, at that twice yeah. two times. And literally, I screwed it up both times because yeah. I'm an idiot. And I was like, okay, you know what? We had to watch this dumb priest thing. But what it's done is it's um, instigated a character turn In, for Roger. For Roger, And yeah. that's important. Well, and Roger says a bunch of very logical things here, including... You have choices. You can do this or this or this, and all of these are better than dying here. And it's so satisfying. All the more. Because it's so logical. Right. But this leads into me being super upset about this subplot later. Right. So, and then he finishes with, also I've started (laughs) digging a hole, and um, I need your help because I only have one arm. You have one ear, but one ear still has two arms, and I'll just stand on the good side and tell you if anybody's coming. Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Is what you said. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was Roger's plan, and it was a good plan. And Priestley said, no, um, nope. I, I'm just going to burn. But then they start digging together. Oh, that's right. Although, to you, they did not dig enough for Right, because then the morning comes, and they've only gone, like, four inches and you were so irritated you were like what the hell have you guys not ever been to a beach when you're nine and you dig up sand with a cup like it yeah, should it's like be come on that's like you. you learn that in like grade four like you it's how could you not dig it's there's hard. two Joe, of it's you hard it's hard apparently apparently it's like permafrost cement ground and that cup is made out of wet noodle parts i don't know like how do you not dig out from under that straw leaf prison they're in Right. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Lord John Gray and Brianna are going into the prison whilst... Whilst. 
Fergus is laying out gunpowder all around it. And you said... What did I say? I've never broken into a prison, but if I did put gunpowder all around it, I'd do it at night when people can't see. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Why is your plan during the day? That's so, like... I think it's in the day. Don't mind me, just spreading gunpowder around. I think it... Resume shopping. (laughs) I think that they do it so that it can coincide with Brianna and Lord John Gray's visit. And I actually do think that this was quite clever of the writers to incorporate Murta's storyline in with this visit from Lord John Gray and Brianna. Well, absolutely, that's why they did it from a TV show standpoint. But I'm talking about purely from a sensible standpoint, which this show hardly Mm -hmm. ever worries about. Mm -hmm. Let's do a prison break with gunpowder in the daytime, said no one ever. Right. Um... Actually, that's a really good point. And in the past, in season one of Outlander, when Jamie breaks into, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the prison that uh, Claire is taken to with Blackjack. Can't remember either, but I know which one you mean. He and Murta go back in. It's the same one where he swings through the window. I remember that. They do the same thing. They make an explosion to distract all the guards. At night. At night. Yeah. I feel like if Milord had been around, that he would have been like, that's a dumbass idea, Fergus. Yeah. So Brianna walks up to Stephen Bonnet, and I realized that they kind of look like brother and sister. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And you thought he was going to kick her. He stood up, and you thought he was going to kick her. Well, he is... The, this character is over-the-top evil. Like, he is... They, they've written him... Confusing, And too. probably in the book, too. Yeah. He's over-the-top evil, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. And uh, so I thought he was going to do something really over-the-top evil. But he fooled you. He did, he did fool me. And he is, I will say, come speaking of amazing actors, he is gr- magnetic on screen. When yeah. he's on screen, I cannot look away. He's like, scary. You think he's going to do something. He's like a ch- chained wolf. Yeah. And he kept like doing these weird facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I hear you're going to hang. And he's like, yeah, they tell me that too. And he's just like, I can't even... I don't know where he gets it from, but he is... Yeah, he plays psychopath, sociopath, whatever path he is. It's not a good path. No, but he's very, very good. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, and they have that moment. Well, first, I'll give Sophie Skelton credit. She has, where she turns around and she yells at him. Right. And her face actually gets a little bit, like, red and blotchy. Right. And that's impressive. When an actor can actually emote to the point where their face is getting red and blotchy, when she says, my son will never know that you were around. Right. Because Stephen Bonnet's like, well, I'll be gone, but not forgotten. And she's, and yeah. He's like, you will be forgotten. And then he realizes, wow, she's so upset about this. It must be my baby. And he pulls a... Yeah, he's just got a ruby just in the back of his mouth. Like, embedded in a tooth or something. Like, well, he really had to refund it to get it out of there. He probably uh, is missing teeth. Maybe, yeah. As and he sticks it in the... Smart. In the moldy canal. The moldy canal, that's right. Of his... And that's what the... Tooth. I mean, not... That's what his ship was called. The moldy canal. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so he also said that, interestingly enough, he sold uh, Frank's wedding ring to buy a ship. He threw that little piece of information out there, which I thought was interesting. Because he said, I don't have the other ring. I sold it to buy a ship. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because he, did he get it from Claire? Oh, no. Claire choked on no, it. I don't know. He said something about he, I sold, but, no, he but sold remember, all their shit to buy yeah, a ship. Yeah, because he stole a bunch of stuff from them. Right, which would explain how he got a boat and back to, right. to Scotland. But Yes. Fergus bursts into the prison. And he and Lord John recognize each other. Yeah. Fergus, Lord John. My lord. How? And you said how? these how? people how? have never met these each other. These people have never met. And I actually went on to one of my Outlander forums on Facebook because mm-hmm. I am a nerd. Yeah. And I was like, guys, 
Have Lord John Gray and Fergus ever met? And these are, I mean... They definitely haven't in the show. They haven't in the show. Definitely not. And someone wrote and said, um, well, all of Jamie's letters, they didn't have postal service yet, so all of Jamie's letters he would have given to Fergus to give to Lord John. I'm like... That's a reach. That's a reach. Like, way to defend that. That's a reach, kids. Yeah. But it's maybe true. I mean, they could have... All they need to do to make that a reasonable story is to steal three seconds from the terrible pre-subplot and give an extra line to Fergus or yeah. or John. Like you Lord know? John could look at Brianna and say, he delivers. He Jamie, delivers. He delivers my, how do you know fathers? Fergus? He delivers your letters. You know, like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But. Because uh, it kind of jolted me when they yeah, recognized each other. But they do. They do. So, and then Murta comes out. He wants to escort Brianna. Lord John's right. like, absolutely not. He gets all up in Lord John's her. face. Yeah. And they really don't like each other. Hey, that Ardsmere no. prison forever they forever right. will be enemies, which is bizarre because you love both of them. But Lord John is really, um, I just love the way he's written. I don't know if it's in the, it can't be in the books because the scene couldn't have possibly taken place in the books because mm-hmm. Murtaugh's not in the books. Mm-hmm. But I, I uh, uh, for all for all their bad writing, some things they get right. And I really like this interaction between Murtaugh and Lord John Gray. Me too. Because Lord John, instead of trying to, this is like classic smart guy like Mm -hmm. instead of trying to be all like stop you fool he's just like no you go i'll take he's like i this situation is gonna happen Mm -hmm. i'm just we're gonna make the best of it you're gonna fuck off because i'm gonna take brianna if you take her yeah you'll be hanged and then she'll be right he doesn't try and be a stupid hero he just knows this is all going south in a big hurry so yeah let's well lord john in the books is written as so smart he's so smart and that's one of the reasons why I, yeah. It bothered me in the last episode when he was having open sex in a hallway. Because right. I know there's Lord John spinoff books. I've heard a lot about them now, and I'm just here to say that I am all for them. Oh. I would, I would, I would much rather watch a Lord John show than this one for sure. Yeah. Written by other people, but yeah, yeah, sure that's Lord, really interesting. That's, that's a strong show. Waiting to happen. So then the prison, the prison <sighs> explodes. Well, I also like. Sorry, there's the part where. We should go because we've already lit the fire. And Lord John's like, you're blowing up the fire. He's like, yeah. what the? Like, first of all, fully unnecessary. Also, it's daytime. Yeah. Third, what the fuck? I know, he is. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. There is that beat where he's like, you're about to explode. Like, what? Well, yeah. And then you just see him and it's, I mean, he looks graceful and charming as he does it. But he's got Brianna like, by chum, both chum, chum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Brianna by both arms and he's right, like, like, charm, charm, charm. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, we missed the part where they open up Ferguson or... Uh, Marcy. No, Murtaugh. Oh. They open up Murtaugh's uh, mm. cage and it's like, oh, whoops, the keys fell. So Stephen Just Bonnet within reach of Stephen Bonnet. Is obviously It's okay. like, yeah, the other thing, you know, instead of trum, 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 it's like, cliche, 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 cliche. Right. Cliche, And then there anyway. is a nice, there is a nice moment with Marsley kind of saving the day, like Ferguson. Right. Merchant She's ready. In. She's all she in. yanks it closed, and that, off she goes. She's got that hood just yeah. flowing in the wind. And I like that. Baby's in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Strong female character. Yeah, I no. do like that. Then we go back to Roger, and he has a ma- he has managed. Sorry, who plays Marsley? Lauren Lyle. Sure. Okay. Uh, first time I've heard that name. I thought it would be more obvious. Just quick, quick question: Do you think that that actress would make a better Brianna? Ooh. Just throwing that. I just, just, just. I, this is totally left field. This just popped in my head now. 
unplanned question. No, she wouldn't. Okay, that's, that's not all. right. I mean, I don't know who would. But Physically, someone, no. But do you think? Or with her accent, or yeah. okay, no, Bongo Bongo. but okay. someone else. I'll keep thinking. Okay. I will keep thinking. Um, and thank you for asking. So back in the hut of misery, they come. They take the priest. He's already told yep. Roger he's not going to baptize the baby. Mm-hmm. They take the priest. Roger skimmies out of his of the idiot the hole. hut. The, so hole. Made the hole. He big uses enough. the yep. hole, and he starts running. And this scene is so violently disgusting. You know that the priest's feet are getting burned and that he's being tortured. And you just hear him screaming in agony over and over. And people have talked about this song and how powerful it was. And it's like, yeah, it's a great song. Everyone loves that song. They used it in Platoon when William Defoe dies. Like, it's, it is, it's a very nice song. But, like, why? Why are we using this song? And, like, why do I need to listen to a man being tortured? Why? I I mean I don't I don't know so yeah so he's being tortured you can hear him screaming Roger is running away and then I did kind of like Roger talking to himself though how he was like you're an idiot you're an idiot you're an idiot you're an idiot because he knows he's gonna go back I didn't mind the monologue I didn't mind Richard Rankin doing the monologue but then he does go back which basically then makes that whole subplot moot and a giant waste of time that wasn't needed like, well, it just, I think it's supposed to show, it's supposed to reaffirm his character, that he follows his heart. But all it reaffirms is he's a human who's just trying to do someone a favor by killing yeah, them faster. I guess, but it's, it's too so late. he gets up and he throws the barrel and the guy goes up in flames. Right. Meanwhile, Joyeo. Who's been watching very sadly. Very sad, just crying and crying, waits until he's fully dead. Right. So it's not even like the priest had the satisfaction of knowing. Then she takes her baby. Sets him down. Sets, I think it's a girl, sets her down and walks into the fire. And as you said, she fire hugs him. She just fire hugs the shit out of him. As a parent, I found this grand gesture of love just sickening. Yeah. Because if something were to happen to you, we have two kids. I would do everything in my power to stay alive for the kids. And vice versa. If something were to happen to me... I would hope you would do everything in your power to stay alive for yeah. those kids. Some people call There's, it love. I call it ridiculously selfish. It is selfish. You've just orphaned this child. And you know what? To the point, it was bugging me so much. And I was like, I bet Karen Campbell, who wrote this episode, doesn't have kids. Yeah. Because, and she does. She has two daughters. So whatever. <laughs> I was totally wrong there. But Well, but was it in the book? Did that happen in the book? Well, this is what I, this is my next point. In the book... And why the writers chose to make this so violently assaulting, I don't know. Because in the book, it happens outside of the view of the character. So Jamie and Claire and Ian are like right around the corner. They must be. Because in the book, it Roger doesn't even know any of that's happening. He's in the hut. And suddenly, this bloody redhead man is thrown into the hut. And it's Jamie. And he tells him... What happened? And so Roger, so the, she actually hands the baby to Claire before she walks into the fire. But the first thing Roger says to Jamie is, did they kill my priest friend? Because <laughs> Jamie was right there watching it. Right. But Jamie just explains to him what happened. And they weren't torturing his feet in a slow, sickening way. They just burned him at the stake. Right. His girlfriend handed Claire the baby and walked into the fire at the end. And it's not as disturbing when it's something that someone is just telling you has happened. Plus, you're so happy that Jamie and Roger are finally having a conversation, although it's Without not a great fists. one. Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess. Yeah, I guess you just maybe gloss so over. So it's like, but why doesn't that like why would they change? They, I don't know. It's like they changed it just to be more of an assault to my eyes. Just to be visually shocking. I Is guess that I'm not why? sure. I like why guess? would they change that? I, I mean, I I don't I don't know. I mean, the whole thing I find kind of pointless. Uh, I will say isn't even there in the book. Yeah, I mean, because it gave Roger a reason to turn around and come back. Yeah, it just put tied tied a loop in this terrible subplot. Um, I will say though, it did. It was um, a practical effect that looked good. Like it was an actual yeah. stunt person wearing flaming retardant gel and, yeah. and getting in there. Like she it, got right it, in it, there. it yeah. was. It looked it, beautiful. It looked as real yeah. as it could. Someone who it wrote was, to us knew you would like that. Yeah, scene, and, I and I did. did. I yeah. did. It was. It was really. I mean. I'll I'll give it to him. It was really well executed. Yeah. Like it, it, no pun intended. Uh, maybe a little. Yeah. But uh, it it, uh, it looked spectacular. Yeah. Like it looked like someone Walked went up to a flaming fire and and, and, and fire, fire hugged him. him. Yeah. It, it was it was you know it was kind of horrifying. You were you're like why is this not disturbing to you? And it's oh, like I watch Game of Thrones. Honestly, I can't. I watch Stannis Baratheon and burn his daughter. Come I on. I can't watch someone being tortured i can't i cannot and i i am baffled by the amount of time and the guy that played the priest was phenomenal like very good actor yeah he kind of reminded me of dolph lundgren i don't know if you know who that is yes he, i do he that Dutch actor? Me, uh like rocky four yeah like he he reminded me of like a young dolph lundgren yeah i can see that yeah he's a very very strong actor and it's wonderful that he got to you know, show his acting chops in this. That's great. No. At the same time, um, we've spent a lot of time on characters who aren't pivotal to the story. Or aren't on the poster. Like, imagine <laughs> how long we spent on even that nice German family, the Mueller's. Oh, like, the Mueller's. About, let's take some of this time and invest it in Roger and his feelings yeah. and his story. And I mean, I guess in Brianna, if she can handle it, I'm not sure she can, or just like exclude her as much as possible and give it to Richard Rankin because he can do it. Right. I he mean, he can do it, guys. We, we've actually had a number of conversations, uh, much to my surprise, off <laughs> off microphone about you know what uh, would have maybe made this season stronger because it's not just us. Shockingly, it's like I feel like since we started this podcast, there's like more people coming over to my side of the fence. Than way more than when it started. Like when I started yeah. this, everyone's all like, "Jam forever," and I was like, "You're all idiots." And now they're all like, "Fuck everybody," and I'm like, "Follow me." Um, so it's it's uh, uh, it's 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 almost a little boring, disappointing to me. No. Now it's like it's like when you see that band and they're they're like not famous, and now like they can become famous and everybody likes them, and then it's like, wow, I don't really. Is like that your opinion? Are you equating your opinion to the band? Exactly. Yeah, I'm okay. like, yeah. So whatever. Okay. That, that's that's fine. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's. But but sorry, I just they, you asked me, and at the end of the season, I think we'll do a recap with some suggestions as to what I think really could have made this season a lot stronger. Not that anyone gives a shit what I think, mm-hmm. or if they're going to listen to me, but it's our podcast, so we can talk about it if mm-hmm, we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um, Let's wrap up this particular episode, right? Good right? Call. So, loin points. How many loin points would you give this? How many loin points would I give this? I mean, fuck, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to get run out of loin points to not give. Seventeen. Okay. Seventeen loin points. There was a couple redeeming, interesting things. I really like Stephen Bonnet's uh, scene. 
only because he's just really good at being a bad guy. Yeah. Any episode with Lauren John Gray gets like 10 points just on its own. Yeah. Um, Roger is an incredible face actor. I don't like what the character is doing, but I really thought Richard Rankin did it well in this episode. Agreed. Um, I also really like Mohawk Warrior Dude. Oh, he who, was yeah, so good, hey? I'd like to see more of that guy. I don't, I'm don't. i sure we will for at least well, we'll one more him. episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there were there were elements of this show. Like, I just have to go through and glean, like, the good parts. But on the whole, the like, the I hated the breakout. It was stupid. I hated the thing in the tent. It was stupid and pointless. And yeah. then in the end, they basically just made it pointless as far as a character turn for Roger goes. They just dissolved it in 30 seconds. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, 17. Okay. Are you ready for mine? Uh, yeah. 49. <gasps> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. 49. No. What did I give Do No Harm? I don't even it couldn't remember. Have been. I don't know. It was I've, never 49. I know I gave A. Malcolm 70-something. Oh, And that was, God. like, the lowest ever. But this is a 49. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, I adore really? Richard Rankin. But everything he was in disturbed the shit out of me. So mm. that killed that and i love david barry but every single scene he was in so was sophie skelton would it be safe to say that this show was not your show what do you mean like this episode of outlander was not this is not not this is not my outlander this is not my outlander Hmm. i miss jamie and claire a lot and it's fascinating that they would take two beloved leads and just yeah. push them off to the side and well, be like, don't worry, guys, we got Sophie Skelton, so we're good. And he, I know that a few people didn't like this episode either uh, out there in the world. And, uh, yeah, it, it it makes me wonder if... Uh, I mean, I think the majority... I read a bunch of reviews because I was like, am I, just a sens- am I just sensitive? Is it just because I can't handle torture? Am I a wuss? Like, what do other people think? So I did read some reviews like Entertainment Weekly and Vulture and... I mean, the majority of people gave this a pretty low rating and said that they were surprised at the amount of time we spent on the priest, a character who, for all intents, I mean, we sorry, we are never going to see him again. But yeah, we're never going to see him. Obviously. Obviously not. Yeah. So, I mean, that was you know, just... In the book, the priest is in it for about a total of, I don't know, maybe 20 pages in yeah. a thousand page book so why are we taking an entire episode on there's him there's been so many time wasters you know what other time waster we forgot to we, that i just want to mention because we might forget next remember the spirit guy claire's spirit shoe ghost that, from like, that will come back that's will gonna, that that's gonna come around probably oh, okay. in the next episode well, well we'll see okay what was your mvp who was your mvp sorry uh lord john gray okay Really? Richard Rankin doesn't get it? No. Really? Really. I think you dislike him because I... he's a shitty digger. I (laughs) think... I don't care if you got one arm. He could have got out from under there faster. Okay. So, I mean, do do I need to say who my MVP is or... Uh, Does his name rhyme with Schnitzerchnitzchnin? It does. But you know what? Tied with um, Stephen Bonnet. Ed Spielers. Yeah, he was great. Favorite scene? (laughs) Who (laughs) was... It's like, what would I rather have? Attack in the foot or a root canal? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 
I choose the attack in the foot? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I think it was... Oh, I thought God. you said attack of the foot. Like, that's what they did to him. They attacked oh, yeah. his feet. <laughs> that's funny. No, attack in the foot. Um, God, I don't know. I think maybe the interaction with Lord John Gray and Murtaugh, because I like them both and I kind of like that scene. I guess if I really had to pick one, it would okay. be the root canal. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Okay, well, first of all, it's re- it, it's, it was really hard for me to come up with a favorite scene which yeah. is a problem in my it is a problem in my favorite show of all time mm-hmm. which it still is by the way but um i guess it would be when roger is talking to the priest and trying to make him think logically right because i love when characters say exactly what i would say no that's fair and richard rankin's face acting was great in that scene okay great least favorite scene every other scene Okay. Minutes one through forty nine. Yeah. So I have a number of them as well. They're tied between uh, the first. I mean, all the scenes with Sophie Skelton not moving her mouth when she talks and having her eyelids half closed, tied with watching some man get his feet burned and screaming in agony because right. that's not my idea of a fun time. That's not your thing. No. That being said, it allowed me to have a great night tonight drinking some gin and talking to you about it. Right. And it will bring me a lot of joy if other people tell me what they thought of this episode and if I'm just being a huge wuss. Please tell us. And maybe I need to suck it up and just prepare for less Jamie and Claire. I don't know. Well, you better be prepared for it because that's the way this boat is sailing. I mean, who knows, right? They're writing Fiery Cross right now. Hopefully, they're in the writer's room like, Halt! Scratch this! It's true. Get Sophie Skelton out of the scene! Get her out! Get her out! Get her out! Next. She's gone swimming somewhere in this on this day. She doesn't have to be in here. Bring Sam yeah, Hewen in. We need him and Claire. Can they maybe have... I mean, I don't want to say sex. More sex! More sex! <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I really hope here. that they're scrambling right now. Well, I mean, I will guarantee you they are. Because they've been renewed for two seasons yeah, after this, season five, five and, six. and six. But I'll tell you, if halfway through season five, the 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 fan base is waning like it is now, that you're not going to see season six. It's not going to happen. Like oh the, my god, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. And I'm sure people who are listening to this are like, "Why, Megan? You just complained for 49 minutes." Breaks my heart because I love the show. You like it when it's good. And, and it has such potential. It has such potential. It it'll, it'll, be it'll get better. I promise. It'll okay. get better. It's gonna. Okay. It, they're gonna. It's gonna be better. All right. Okay. Great. That's a wrap. That is a wrap <laughs> on yet another edition of Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or, or anywhere. anywhere. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. Bye.